Welcome to the Golf Betting System podcast. It's our 60th episode, another small landmark, and given it's mid-February, we thought we would record our first 2019 Masters podcast. Our first of a couple of scene setters for the Masters, which tees off on Thursday the 11th of April. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour previewer at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams and returning podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Hello, chaps. Afternoon, guys. Uh, evening for me, but good evening, <laughs> good evening guys. Barry. Yeah, h- hiding out here in Dubai at the moment for a work project, so that's why I've been absent from the show for the last couple of weeks. Good to be back. Uh, nice episode to get back yeah. in on as oh, well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've been looking forward to this for a number of yeah, weeks. Yeah, exactly. When I look out my window, Barry, I can actually see the sunshine for the first time in about three months. But I expect it's been uh, absolutely gorgeous out where you are, isn't it? It's not too bad. It did rain one day, and I got blamed <laughs> and work for that. Um, it rained one day. It, it kind of yeah. <laughs> No, I know, but they all freak out because they have no drainage system for rain here, so it just sits on the surface. So uh, it was like m- floods going everywhere. <laughs> it was a bit, it's a bit mad to uh, to think of it like that. And I laughed at the the volume of rain was quite low for uh, for what we're used to anyway. In, um, They're panicking. In our part of the world. Yeah, 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 total. Um, so uh, no, can't complain. The weather's been in the twenties to high 20s every day so um yeah it's, it's a nice time of year to escape uh, ireland and the uk as paul said we've got blue sky sunshine it's made 10 10 degrees today so it, it feels like summer here in the uk <laughs> that's that's a cracking day for this time yeah, yeah. of year be out there in the t-shirt sleeves <laughs> golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website naturally we're available on social media you can join our golf betting system facebook group link is available in the description box our Twitter handles, I'm at Bamford Golf, Paul is at Golf Betting, Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. This podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify and on a myriad of different pod channels. You can also listen via our Golf Betting System YouTube t- channel, which is proving very popular. Naturally, subscribe and follow the podcast. Please take time to rate and review us on iTunes and naturally I will read them out at the start of every show. And that's bringing us to two uh, reviews. I'll just read them out quickly. First one. Uh, this one is from, uh, we've got one from Wiley77, and that's uh, that's Matt Wiley who presents the Golflandia podcast over in the United States, which is clearly nice. a podcast that uh, we all listen to on a regular mm. basis. Hi to Matt. Oh, it's quality. Yeah, that's a good one to tune into, guys, if you haven't. Absolutely. It's uh I often listen to that when I'm out cycling. Just plug, plug, uh, plug it in. Listen to it for an hour, and it's uh, it's good stuff every week. The uh, Golflandia podcast. He said of our podcast, excellence, five stars. Very sharp guys. Bamford is one of my best follows on Twitter. Nothing but respect for this content, and that's from Wiley seventy seven Golflandia. So nice. thanks yeah, for that, thanks, Matt. Man. Brilliant. Well, it's respect, respect from the from your elders. Mm, that one really isn't definitely. it. Definitely. And we've also got a uh, another review in from Dan Miles. He's in Great Britain. Fantastic listen for golf punters. Five stars. 
This is an interesting point, actually, and uh, this is kind of where we're at with golf betting system and the podcast and everything we do. This is this is worth listening to. As a golf betting uh, newbie of six months or so, I really look forward to the previews and the podcast each week. Paul, Steve and Barry provide a great insight into the European and PGA Tour tournaments and what stats, trends to look out for. Initially, partly due to my complete lack of knowledge, I found myself following the tips blind. Well, that's a bad mistake, that is. <laughs> but now I have a little look around for value, taking their picks into account too, and have had a small bit of a success. Keep it up, chaps. And that's exactly where we're at, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's got nothing to do with people blindly following tips, in my opinion. It's actually going out there, talking about the golf courses we're playing, the history of the tournaments, the players... And people just, you know, if you're new to golf betting, it's getting that information on board, taking your own notes, being able to make your own views. Yeah. I think that's where we're at with well, it. That's, that's part of the game, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. You know, a lot of the fun of this game is trying to decipher it yourself, trying to work out uh, who fits from the from the information that you can gather from, you know, not just from us. There's some really good judges and some really good previews that are written and, and talked about each week and you talk... Read them all, make your own decision. Exactly, yeah. And if you get some success, then great, because the stats aren't always going to lead you to to the to the winner. And the stats were never going to lead you to uh, to David Law last week, who won out in uh, in Victoria, three hundred to one or a thousand if you got him on the on the exchange early doors. Yeah. But um, it might lead Adam Long. Yeah, yeah. We had Adam Long a few weeks ago, didn't we? Five hundred to one, uh, five hundred to one on the PGA Tour. If you can pluck one of those out, then uh, it doesn't always work. Uh, good luck to you. Good luck. Yeah, if we were able to pick perfectly, we probably wouldn't be doing a podcast. <laughs> We'd be keeping it to ourselves. We'd be living in but Dubai. I, I do- We'd be living in Dubai, Barry. Yeah. Play, playing golf every day. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah absolutely. <clears throat> no, that's like, I mean, and the stuff like it's not like we know each other's thoughts or or picks outside of the ones that are published. If we've done the podcast after published tips, other stuff comes in and it just gets you thinking and maybe considering other angles that you just hadn't that hadn't mm. popped in your head. And uh, can certainly uh, change your minds and lead you down a, a successful path or an unsuccessful path. But um, I think that's the fun of it. Like as you said, Paul, make you know, coming making your own pick. If you're blindly following somebody, it's just not as entertaining. No. It's part, part of the uh, part of the enjoyment is is being right, isn't it? It's about uh, you know, deciphering something, and then uh, then that coming to fruition is uh, is particularly satisfying when it does uh, does come around. Yeah, the, be- the being right is sometimes sometimes to my detriment <laughs> above profit. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the 2019 Masters, even though we're recording this mid-February. We thought we'd kind of pull together a, a kind of leisurely podcast where we just chat all things Masters. So we can talk about the golf course, we can talk about the changes to the course that have been uh, that that are out there in the ether. They're about they've added even more length to it. Um, we can talk about what key player characteristics we think are required for winners here to to actually putting that green jacket on their shoulders. What do players need to be able to be uh, competitive around here? Uh, we can look at correlating course form of winners. And this is kind of almost an anti-post kind of podcast where in the end we're going to look at the, the anti-post market as it stands 
Uh, Paul's going to pull together some each-way information as to what the each-way places were last year at the Masters and relating that to the anti-post situation. We've also done a Facebook group poll at our uh, Golf Betting System Facebook group where we're getting a view on what players are going to be popular for this year's uh, Masters. And just look at the current odds and see what players that we think potentially may offer a little bit of anti-post value. Um, it's It's pretty clear that um, it's a wide open event this year and a lot of players are being slashed in terms of price as they do well. Uh, you don't see many odds getting bigger, but there are still a few players out there. You might think, well, that isn't a bad price right now on the basis that it's likely to be a lot shorter yeah. when we actually get to mid-April. So that's kind of where we're at. It depends with. how they fare between now and then, but you're right. It's it's this kind of limbo period that you get before the, the Masters where there's a market there um, and whenever a player plays well, there's a sea of blue against his name. But there's, as you said, there's no tends to be no corresponding uh, length of the other players around him. So um, you know, whilst you know a player who does show that bit of form, who flashes that bit of um, form that you think, well, that gives him a chance. That you know, that gives gives him a gives him a shout at Augusta. If we're looking at a prime example of that, we're. I'm see, I'm seeing with one firm, Cameron Champ at twenty eight to one. Mm. <laughs> Go away. Yeah, twenty eight to one. <laughs> with Paddy Power. Yeah, now that that, that, ago, that might were... have been half tempting when he was playing well the other side of Christmas. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't think it was even tempting then, really, but I mean he's he's as big as sixty sixes with one firm, Unibet, and he's as short as twenty eight with Paddy Power. That's big disparity. That's just madness. And he's not even in the field. No, not yet. Not yet. I'm sure he'll make his way in one way or another, but uh, that's a bit of an overreaction there. It'd be nice if he actually had a look at the course before people started uh, started banging on money on him. But yeah, you never know. Talking of the course, Barry, take us through what you think about Augusta, what, what you know and, and what, you've, what you've uncovered about the new expansion of the golf course and whatever. Well, I just was going to start out with saying we're only eight weeks away. So this like it's it's gonna come it's gonna come really mm. fast, yep. uh, which is uh, really exciting for all us golf fans. I think as soon as the last major of the previous year finishes, it's like when's the Masters? Yep. So uh, eight weeks eight weeks is brilliant. Can't wait. So um, in a little less than eight weeks' time, the guys will be making the drive down Magnolia Lane to get themselves there for uh, you know to the range and start playing some practice rounds and. What they're going to meet this year is reportedly uh, 7,495 yards for this year's Mm. Masters, Um, which in ordinary terms is a pretty, pretty meaty par 72. Um, But it plays even longer than that because they, uh, I'm not going to say they have a few tricks, but they have a few uh, green keeping uh, tricks. Tricks, Yeah, you're right. You're right. Tricks. (laughs) <laughs> they're not tricks no they're techniques I'd say I'd say if you said they heard you say tricks now they'd kick you out and you'd never, never be allowed to talk about it again um, techniques let's say so they they do a couple of things they mow the fairways in the direction uh, from the greens towards yeah. the tee box yeah, uh, right. what that what that does is the grass is then aiming towards your ball as it's landing and that'll stop the ball rolling out so it effectively lengthens the course uh Probably about another couple of hundred yards, maybe three hundred. Kind of depend depending on how firm or soft the golf course is. 
Um, the other thing that that, uh, with the grass being mown um, into you for your approach shots, I mean, it puts an extra emphasis on an even cleaner strike uh, with your irons. And uh, even more so when it comes to chipping around the greens where they have a lot of closely mown areas, that grain again is into you. So it means you need to strike your chip shots with uh, absolute precision. So, uh, well, which is required, you know, because the greens, as we all know, are big, undulating and uh, never have a published stimp meter. But um, you can... You know, you hear reports that they can run up to 14, yeah. which is, which is if everybody remembers Oakmont to be in and around the speed that they were running at. Yeah, 2016 with Dustin Johnson won, yeah. Yeah, uh, and th- they they were very quick. So uh, yeah. we have you have that to face in Augusta with all the undulations. Um, there's no rough to, to speak of. It is a second cut and it's never that deep either. So it um it kind of keeps the course very open and playable unless you start getting involved mm. with the trees. Um, other than that, I mean, what else is there to say? Um, what what does the course kind of demand of you as a player? You need to be long. Yeah. You need to be striking your irons absolutely flawlessly, uh, good distance and direction because you need to be able to access parts of the green. Your short game needs to be really on point, and uh, yeah, the the putter the putter needs to be pretty good, not amazing, um, but it uh, needs to be not shit for mm. the week either. If you're going to be, contending. yeah, I don't think you need to be the the best um, putter, do you, to to win and contend around um, around Augusta? But certainly, as you said, the, your irons, and that that tends to be where a lot of the uh, yeah the game is decided. Um, you know, won or lost, and tends to be on your your approach shots and uh, greens and regulation. Yeah, and I, and I guess to fine tune the irons side of things, your irons need to be coming in from a good height. So yeah. uh, there's a key stat that you have identified, uh, you guys, over the last few years for Augusta, which is the apex distance yeah. to yeah. apex distance to apex. So effectively, and, and apex height. It's just, it's just, yeah. Apex height can be a slightly different one because, you know, you, you can have shorter players that hit the ball higher, but distance to apex mm. is basically the power yeah. that's getting your ball to the highest point and it just tends to be loaded with bombers. So clearly you can attack these fast green complexes from, from a bigger height yeah. and a, that allows them also to be more aggressive. I think there's a couple of things I take from it. I know I know you've mentioned and it's public, it's public knowledge out there that they've actually extended the par 4 fifth. Yeah. So they've, they've added, was it 50, 60 yards to that hole, Barry? Went from four, 40 yards, I think. Went from 455 to yeah. 495. Wow. And uh, it looks like they've done a little bit of reshaping of the bunkers on the inside of the dog leg. So it's mm-hmm. a dog leg right to left. Um, it was already playing consistently fifth, sixth, seventh hardest hole on the course. Uh, and that was from its previous yardage. And now it's a brute. So to carry the furthest bunker is uh, as the crow flies 313 yards but it does play a little bit uphill so you're probably looking at something closer to 320 yards carry to get over that bunker um so even even the biggest boys will uh will, will need to be buttoning one to get over that and uh, maybe hoping for a bit of a tailwind to really to really consider taking that shot on that day so other than that you're looking at an approach shot of uh 
you know, 200 yards plus, depending on how much uh, risk you want to take off the tee and getting close to those bunkers to the inside mm. of the dog leg. It's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's going to be brutal, isn't it? It's going to be a tough old hole. Oh, I, oh, it's be so like, if you can get even close to playing that in par for the week, you'll be doing phenomenally well. Um, so like, you know, there's a couple of comments out in the, in social media, like Kevin Kisner was uh saying it's just another thing what was it, adding to the fact that he's not going to make yep. the cut something to that effect and Eddie Pepperell was uh, he said the yardage increase will harm his chances of making safe bogeys mm. on it <laughs> so uh, you know when guys of that talent level are talking about what this hole is going to do to them you can be uh, you can be sure that most of the field is really concerned about this addition of length and there's there's also like when you listen to guys like Mickelson, who's been going there for years, talk about the course, um, he says they do things to the golf course, little subtle tweaks every year that are never spoken about, yeah. never published. But yeah. it's only that with experience of going there year on year that you get to see these little subtle yeah, yeah. changes. Um, and oh, yeah. and that kind of that does let you know lead into another the play you know characteristics that. Uh, you know, having experience at Augusta does help you a lot. It's not an absolute necessity, but it is a, it's a really big help uh, when you're going there to play. In, oh, yeah. In the When's the last last debutant to win? Was it Fuzzy Zealous, Dave? It'd be something like that. I know Sp- yeah, I think that's Speed correct. gave it a go in his opening Yeah, that's year, right. Yeah. And then he won it the year after. Yeah. He, he won it in, he debuted in 14, went, came second to Bubba. Yeah. And then he clearly won it in 15. But in the main, you've got to have at least a look at it. I think Danny Willett, he'd had one appearance mm. there and finished 38th back in 2016, which is a very abnormal year on the basis the weather was a nightmare, wasn't it? And he shot five yeah. under. It was just a grind fest. Schwarzel's win was... So, yeah, we're, at, so we're actually talking, Barry, we're talking about a seven, effectively a 7,800-yard par 72, aren't we, with, with all of these techniques in lengthening the golf course and whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, I, it, I, and whether a, it plays... Whether it plays that or not all depends on what's been going on over the winter. And, you know, if the, and the, the couple, the two, three weeks leading up to the tournament, if they get dry weather or if just can, they just continue getting showers of rain and uh, keeps it soft and long. Yeah. So uh, at the moment, to check the weather today, it's uh, a pretty balmy eight degrees <laughs> Celsius there. Little bits of rain coming in and out throughout the week. So, I mean, that's, look, we're two months out or eight weeks out. So, um, I think it was at, at, actually. At least it's not. I think it buried was in snow. The Willet year where they had the snow that was there in late. Yeah, that's early, right. Yeah. Early March. Yeah, yeah, can happen. Can yeah, yeah, so yeah. Tw- yeah, 2016. Interesting. So, uh, look, we uh, I don't know. This is pro- probably a very regular year for weather. I guess at this stage of the year. In my mind, right Paul, now, and, so. Paul and I have had this conversation many times over a pint. It's the kind of golf course where for the 12, first 11 holes, if you're at level par or one under, you're absolutely ecstatic. Yep. And then once mm. those, once you get to the two par fives on the back, you've got the par three, 16th, even the 18th birdie ball, you can actually open mm. up some scoring a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. from the 13th onwards. Kind of like, like Ricky... Fa- Let's say like Ricky Fowler's final round last year. What he went through the first eight nine holes level par, or mm. v- do, doing very little, and then yeah. just uh, then just Exploding. went bananas. Yeah, it's possible, isn't it? 
I remember the year yeah. that I was on um, Angel Cabrera, and um, he was he was nowhere really after a, a round and a half. And then uh, I think he birdied the final five holes. I think it must have been on the Friday to put himself, um, you know, on the fringes of contention at that point. And uh, he ultimately went on to losing the playoff to Adam Scott, much to my uh, dismay. I was yeah, I was on him that year as well. That was yeah, brutal. Absolutely. And, and and lost a side bet to an Aussie in a bar in New York. So extra 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 sting. Yeah. Oh dear. If we so that, that's the course. I mean, what what's fairly obvious from a player perspective is, with all the you know all the best will in the world, in my mind, you've got to be a two on you know you've got to be a three hundred yard hitter yeah. to be competitive around here. I mean, just to put that in the context, Patrick Reed last year. As he arrived in Augusta, was averaging two ninety nine off the tee, so he was sixty first in the uh, PGA Tour um, statistics. So you know, not the longest of bombers, but you've got to be able to get the ball out there. And if you're an average three hundred yard driver, you you, you you're going to be okay around it. Danny Danny Willett, he, he was averaging two ninety three, so he was eighty top top half of the uh, driving distance charts is what we're looking for. Um, there's a few characteristics, though, and Barry was mentioning a couple of them that I think seem to work out year in, year out. Just from a PGA Tour statistics perspective, and I'm talking stats as they're arriving at the golf course, so not stats from the season before, actual stats in terms of how they've been playing leading into the Masters. Uh, anything top 50, top 60, birdie or better? Uh, anything top 50, top 60 in terms of a going for the green statistic? I mean, put that in context. Uh, last year, Reed was 24th for going for the green in on the PGA Tour arriving. Yeah, is that kind of... Well, you think about it, that that is that is top, top what, 8, 10%? Yeah. So someone that's aggressive on drivable par 4s, although that's not relevant here, but certainly on par 4s. It's that aggressive mindset, isn't it? And, having the having the will yeah. to go, and particularly with 13 and 15, you know, we, we touched on it a second ago, you've got to... You've got to make a score on those holes. You've got to be, uh, you've got to be racking up a lot of birdies, birdies, and uh, you know potentially the other eagle on those holes to really put yourself in with a chance over the course of the mm. win. Distance, yeah, you've got to go Sorry. after the par fives. Yeah. You've got it, to go after and them. two, two and eight as well. You just have yeah. to get at them. Uh, yeah, there's no holding back really. If you actually look at Reed last year, he was thirteen under on the fives, which was the best in the yeah. field. Yeah, and that brings it into into context, doesn't it? Was his his overall score was fifteen under from memory? So thirteen under, yeah. yeah. You know, he's, he's made he's made he's won the event on the par fives. Simple as that. Yeah. Also, um, distance to apex, as we're saying, so uh, a high and long ball flight. So yeah, with Reed, he was fifty third on the PGA Tour. Uh, the year before that, Sergio, he was fourth distance to apex. Um, anything kind of top 50, top 70 gets you, if you can combine that with the actual driving distance as well, you're, you're going to be competitive around here. But one key statistic just really stares at me. Absolutely stares at me year in, year out around here. And it's actually par for birdie or better. 
And that kind of stacks up because if you can nick some birdies on some of these par fours and you can play par fours well, mm. you know, par four scoring average, par four birdie or better, that's going to mean that you can hang on around those par fours. If you can shoot under par across the fours for the week, you're laughing if you can maximise the fives as yeah. well. And that's the kind mm. of combination we're looking for for a winner around here. But listen to this. It's a, it's a pretty crazy stat. Par four birdie or better. Reed was seventh going into Augusta. Sergio was seventh. Um, we had Danny Willett, who on a very small amount of PGA Tour um, outings was second. Jordan Spieth was first in 2015. Uh, Bubba Watson was fifth in 2014. It just goes on mm. and on and on. It's a really compelling so stat. That is a very, it's a compelling stat. So. On my screen right now, even though we're recording this just after Pebble Beach, are the top 10 par 4 birdie or better leaders. And you just just the names themselves, you instantly link them to Augusta. 10, Jason Day. 9, Cam Smith. Well, he came in the top 5 last yeah. year. 8, Justin Rose. Should have won two years ago. 6, Justin Thomas. 6, Ricky Fowler. 5, Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, we've got Rafa Cabrera Bayo, Tyrrell Hatton, Patrick Cantley, number one, Phil Mickelson. Yeah. And there's no dispute in Phil Mickelson. So those, those will change. Play, players will come, players will go. But mm. there's, yeah, just reading some of those names, it makes a lot of sense. Makes a hell of a lot of sense. I it's, it's really a, it's a brilliant start, I think, because you can infer a few things like tying them too crazily to get you know, to it but you can infer from that that the player is driving the ball well yeah. striking their mm. irons well yeah, yeah. and putting reasonably well absolutely so it, it, kind, it kind of gives a lot of indications that most parts of a player's game are in very good shape coming into the, yeah. into now the, the no they go you know they're clearly scoring and playing well on the par fours and then that final ingredient on the week is playing the par fives in the requisite number to to get yourself over the line. Mm-hmm. It's um, that combination by the looks of it. But uh, but yeah, when you dig down into the numbers as you look there, Steve, that it really is quite a compelling stat. It'd be fascinating to see who's sitting there in the top ten of that particular stat um, on the week before as we run up to uh, to Augusta this year. And uh, apart from somebody like Phil Mickelson, who's just an enigma anyway. You don't see the pure, pure bombers in that top 10. You know, the likes of a Luke List or someone that just absolutely annihilates par, par fives mm. and hangs around, hangs on around the rest of a golf course. They are, as you say, it's, it tends to be the quality players that can actually hit fairways, got great long irons and, and you know, can make birdies that yeah. way. So it's an interesting stat, that one. We'll need to keep a very close eye on that, I think, as we build up towards Augusta. Um, what else have I kind of uncovered here? Um, a very interesting statistic, I think, is just the winning prices that we've had here. Listen to these guys. So since 2011, Schwarzel, 90-1. to 1. Watson, 55-1. to 1. Scott, 28. Watson, 28. Jordan Spieth, fair enough, 12 to 1 in 2015. But since then, 66 is for Willett, 45 for Garcia, and 55 for Reed. Mm. So it isn't shouting, you know, it isn't scouting, shouting top of the betting market every year. You actually got to try and find someone with a bit of value under that, quality player. 
that's actually priced with a little bit of juice in there. I remember that seems to be the. I remember last year the top dozen in the market were twenty five to one or shorter, and that was when the you know the, the markets are fully formed by. Uh, by uh, Monday evening, Tuesday, yeah. you know, and we're currently sitting. It'll be no different. Well, no, absolutely, you? we're currently looking at the top ten in the market are all twenty to one or shorter. But then you've not got this standout kind of six, seven, eight to one shot. The, the markets, you know, the co-favorites are about four at the moment, or three, or three or four at least. Um, but yeah, the you know, it's going to be it's going to be twelve to one the field by the looks of it. But, um, but <laughs> the 10 players within that kind of 12 to 20 to 1 bracket so uh, pick the bones out of that it's mm. brutal isn't it from a from a betting perspective which but in one in one respect it then in my mind that kind of says right get outside of that and go hunt it, go hunt mm. some value yeah, because we're going to start getting you know in the week or maybe two weeks beforehand you're going to start seeing the bookmakers open up the places, yep. and uh, and and that's where you can start, you know, kind of trying to grab a fifty to one or a sixty-six to one, or you know, or an eighty to one. So you you land an eighty to one at fifty odds, and you're not quite covering the 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 win on a twelve to one guy, but yep. you're getting yep. pretty close, and you've still got a chance of your guy at eighty to one winning, you know, if he's in the places. Yep. So. Uh, I I tend to kind of jump outside of that kind of flat top of the market and try find a bit. But of yeah, that. and as Steve's just you know brought into you know stark reality the uh, the winning prices of the was it ten winners you just read through Steve eight or ten uh, it was only Spieth who was uh, right up there with the uh, with the favourites the rest of them kind of in this sweet spot in, from the mid twenties through to the fifties uh, and sixties with, with the exception of Schwarzel who was, who was knocking three figures wasn't. He? Eight eight winners, only only Spieth at twelve mm. to one. Everyone else twenty eight to one and above. Yeah. So I think that's it's, and this is it, isn't it? I'm, I mean, I'm telling myself this in February. It's it's when I'm writing my actual physical tips <laughs> preview on the Monday morning mm. before the Thursday. I need to bear this in mind. As Barry said, for me, it's that it's that player that's in half decent form, might have even snuck a win. Um, you know, it's, it's the Patrick Reed, isn't it? Who, if you actually look at his record going into last year, second at Copperhead, seventh at Bay Hill, and on his outing before, he'd made the uh, ninth. They he's classified as at the Dell Match Play. If you look into Reed's uh, Sergio, if you if you look into uh, to to Reed's numbers and delve into some of the skill stats, you'd also see that he was hitting a lot of greens on occasion, which isn't always his game. You know, he's a very good. Short game exponent, Patrick, Patrick Reed, but um, there were two or three examples of where he was very close to the top of the uh, top of the list when it comes to greens in regulation on, on a particular event, and um, he also putted really well at the uh, I want to say the Arnold Palmer Invitational just two or three weeks before. Yeah, where where he was seventh there. That's yeah, right. Yeah, okay. and um, you know there, there were just some signs because I know, I know uh, you know I, I backed him last year. I, did you back him as well, Barry Reed from memory? Yeah, Barry was on. I yeah, did so indeed. we both backed uh, Patrick Reed on the back of some some of uh, what we'd seen. And uh, what well, mine wasn't a stats based one; it was purely kind of a visual thing that I saw him working on fading the ball. Right. Okay. With the that whirly bird fault. The exaggerated whirly bird follow through, but it worked. So that told me that he was really trying to dial his game in to, to win at Augusta, to be able to land the ball softly with a fade flight versus his usual strong, yeah. strong draw. Mm. 
Uh, and that that kind of just clicked in my head. I was like, oh, this guy's really trying to tune his game yeah, to yeah. Augusta. Um, I, I, I just didn't look any deeper than that. I just went on a, a feel from seeing that. Uh, but the stats seemed to back that up yeah. as well. What he was doing was uh, was working in a good way that gave him results along the yeah. way. Yeah, no, I think... It, 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 that's a that's a bit of a that's a bit of a point you've raised there because everyone always says oh you need to draw the ball around Augusta but that's pl- but plat- uh, blatantly not true anymore. You had Reed working on a fade. Sergio Garcia's always had a fade. Danny Willett's the same. So this idea that you have to have a draw is is way out of date now in terms of Augusta. It's not the only way to get around there. No. I, I still think some of the scoring holes are lend themselves to, to the, that right-to-left shot shape it, far, far more. It's being able to move or have the confidence to actually be able to move the ball both ways, I mm. think. Which, as yeah, Barry said, yeah, Reed, sure. Reed was always a hardcore draw of the golf ball and then all of a sudden he's developed it where he can go the other way with a fade and control control his ball yeah. flight a lot better and also hit a lot more greens. Mm. and it And it works... For a guy that's clearly a, a fantastic scrambler and putter, yeah. and you know that's that's why he walked it last year, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Because it's like Phil Mickelson last week at Pebble Beach. If he's in the top ten for GIR, well, he's going to win the tournament, isn't he? Because he's such a great putter, yeah, yeah. no one's going to be able to keep up with him. No. Well, I I disagree that Reed walked it. I, <laughs> he had a couple of really lucky breaks. Stay like like this is coming from a massive Ricky Fowler fan, so there is an mm. asterisk on this one, but. He uh, it sounds weird as well because I won backing Reed, but uh, I also had Fowler backed too. But Reed's ball stayed up on the bank on thirteen, and then he also smashed the pin on seventeen when the ball would have nearly mm. gone off the green yeah. when he was coming across. The, yeah, so you need that look to win anything. You need that little bit of luck going for you, or to not get yeah. unlucky. And uh, it just happened for him, you know. But. Um, that that's the little difference. Like you know, could have been, Ricky Fowler could have been wearing a green jacket. I should I should have said I should have said dominating after fifty four <laughs> holes because he had it effectively. It was it was his to lose, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he yeah. played he played a level par round, and everyone got just kept creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. And in the end, he could have lost it. Yeah, yeah he could have done. I think he, he showed he, a bit he, of bottle. Uh, did, the what end, he, he? he parred the final four holes, I think, didn't he? And um, yeah, he showed he showed real bottle. At yeah, the that eighteenth. Yeah, absolutely. To to Finish off the par, and you know, to make that final part was it four, four and a half feet, or whatever. You know, it could easily have melted at that point, but um, no, he showed some, some some real resolve to get over the line. Uh, if you take Sergio Garcia in 2017, he'd won in Dubai and he'd finished 12th at the WGC in Mexico. Mm. Uh, Willett had won in Dubai, he'd finished third at Doral at the WGC. So Straight away, we've got ninth at the Dell Match Play, twelfth at the WGC Mexico, and third at Doral in the last three winners. So, someone that's showing a decent turn at one of the two WGCs in the build-up. Uh, Spieth was just all over it like a rash. One win, six top tens, and he actually finished second the week before in Houston. But then you go to Bubba Watson, one win, three top tens, and one of the one of those wins came at Riviera. Always, there is a big correlating course limp between Riviera and here. And the other one was second again at the WGC at Doral. Adam Scott, 2013. He'd only had one top 10 in the build-up. But that just so happened to be when he tried his hardest at Doral and finished third. A uh, year before that, Bubba Watson, second at Doral. So there's something in the fact that you want a player that's at a good price and has actually showed a level of performance at one of the two mm. WGCs. One being in Mexico... 
next week, isn't it? it is, actually, yeah. and one being even that Dell match play, of course, which is only two weeks, two weeks before yeah. the Masters. So, of course, we've got the uh, Players Championship in between times this year as well to uh, yeah. to add another. That's a new dimension. Yeah, that's, a, that's another dimension to the analysis because we're already seeing an improvement in the field quality even now in the early parts of the PGA Tour season as, as players get their games into some kind of shape. Given this kind of con- concertina yeah. schedule, it's going to going to happen, I think, isn't it? There have been some serious mm. fields so yeah. far, haven't there? Really deep. Yeah. Uh, that's great for a fan to see that many high quality players stacked in a big field, you know, in a field in a, in a just a regular yeah, yeah. tour event. Um, to treat this yeah, early definitely. In the I mean, we're sitting here one day before the uh, the start of uh, the Genesis Open at Riviera, and that's another absolutely stack field. And uh, whoever wins this week is going to be another one of those players who uh, gets absolutely slashed in terms of their odds for for Augusta. Uh, given you know, Steve just mentioned the you know, there's clearly a correlation between Riviera and uh, players who go on to play well at uh, Augusta. Um, but yeah, another stack field. Yeah, that's no right. secret. That's no secret from the bookies either, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no, so if you if one of the players you fancy is going particularly well um, over this weekend coming, then uh, might be a time to get in the anti-post market and uh, take the plunge nice and early. Correlating courses. Now, of course, when you're dealing with the world's best, it isn't all, you know, the world's best tend to play well on every golf course they play at. But there's a few, there's a few courses here when you look at winners since 2010. That includes Phil Mickelson. You just think, mm, there's something in this. Um, Riviera is a very close fit, although Patrick Reed's never done anything around Riviera, so he kind of blew that theory last mm. year. But, you know, Bubba Watson's obvious. Left is obvious. Adam Scott's won at Riviera. Jordan Spieth finished fourth there. Sergio Garcia's come fourth and sixth at Riviera. So Riviera is a decent, decent link. One that's not so well known would be Copperhead. So that's the Valspar Championship. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Patrick Reed, Patrick Reed's finished runner-up at Copperhead twice. Sergio Garcia's finished fourth and seventh there. Jordan Spieth's a winner at Copperhead. Um, Bubba Watson's finished third at Copperhead. Even Charles Schwarzel, after his win here in 2011, he's actually then won his, uh, the, the second of his PGA Tour titles at Copperhead. So there's something in that. Uh, Innisbrook Resort, because um, I think that's like a 7,400-yard past 71, and that's very tree-lined, even though it's Bermuda grass greens. And they do say that Copperhead, for a Florida golf course, actually plays more like a Carolina golf course. Mm. So that's an interesting angle, because that takes us to Quail Hollow. And as we know, lefty flies around Quail Hollow. He's he, he basically top five there every year, but has never won there. But um, if you look at someone like Bubba Watson, he's finished second at Quail. Adam Scott's finished third at Quail. Sergio Garcia's been a runner-up at Quail Hollow. And Patrick Reed was a, uh, was a runner-up at Quail Hollow. Uh, the PGA Championship that Justin Thomas won in 2017. Yeah. So we're looking so far. Riviera, we're talking Copperhead. We're looking at Quail Hollow. Three very, very um, close um correlating courses stuff like Kapalua I suppose Kapalua is just champions winners event so the best players are going to play well around there but Reed's won there Garcia's run there Spieth has won there um, 
Another one that also jumps out at me, if you're looking at a correlating course, is somewhere like Beth Page, where they play the um, the Northern Trust now, the uh, tournament that's New York's PGA Tour stop mm-hmm. off. Patrick Weeds Reed has won at Beth Page. Sergio Garcia has finished third there. Spieth finishing the top ten at Beth Page. Adam Scott's finished fourth at Beth Page. Bubba Watson's finishing the top ten at Beth. Yeah, it's Page. another another long tree line track, isn't it? So again, you can see some correlation there, can't you? In terms of the course setup. But then fi- if- finally, uh, WGC HSBC champions. Yeah, so we're talking Shazan International in China. Yep. Lefty. He's won twice there. Charles Sforzel's finished fourth there. Bubba Watson has won there. Adam Scott, top six there. Uh, Sergio Garcia has won there. And Patrick Reed has had a couple of top sevens around Shazam. So there's four or five courses there that relate very well. The other thing I must say before we move on, you don't necessarily need to have finished in the top ten at Augusta to win there. Patrick Reed's best finish there in his appearances up until the point he won last year was 22nd. Bubba Watson uh, had finished 20th at Augusta before winning there. Charles Svartzel had, had finished 30th before winning there. And of course, you had Danny Willett who was 38th on his only appearance before winning there in 2016. So, you know, bang on course form, which is actually dragging down someone's price when we come to the week of the of Augusta, might not necessarily be the, the be-all and end-all that, look, that you could be looking no, for. No, a bit of practical experience is good, I think. But, um, yeah, you don't you don't have to have uh, nearly tripped over the line before to be, uh, to be winning at some point in the future, I don't think. Absolutely. So, Paul, um, we ran a Facebook poll on our Facebook group. There's a link in the description box if you want to come and join. We've got three and a half, no, it's four and a half yeah. thousand punters, isn't it, on there? What kind of uh, what kind of names did you see coming back at us in terms of who people think they're going to be, uh, who's going to be winning this year at, at the Masters? Yeah, so it was, a, it was a simple poll. We just basically asked for one one name, one name only, to see um, who wins. The, the master said so it wasn't a, you know who's best value who's who's the best outsider it wasn't any of that it was just a case of right if you had one name who's going to win um got about 100 responses from a couple of days ago when we put it up and uh, two players have dominated the response um and they continue to get the votes more than any of the other players that are listed up there and um, and those Ooh, I don't have you not seen this, this? um can I take? Go on. Can I? No, I haven't seen. Go on, take, 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 a take, couple, take, take a couple. I want to say Bryson. Okay. And and ooh, just to go a little bit outside, John Ram. I'm guessing Rose is probably one of them, but I'm just going to go with Ram. Bryson is sitting in second place right now with. Um, 18 of those 100 votes and one ahead of him is world number one Justin Rose 19 votes so you were very very close Barry but yes those two are well ahead so um, aside from that um, just uh, Jordan Spieth 9 currently uh, Justin Thomas 8 Ricky Fowler 7 Tony Finau 6 Xander 5 Ram 5 uh, Rory 5 Tiger 5 Last week's winner, Phil Mickelson, only four, which is interesting. But yeah, the dominating two at the top 
Justin Rose, who clearly won uh, a couple of weeks back, didn't he? Uh, it's, uh, Torrey Pines and uh, Bryson, who won the Dubai Desert Classic. And of course, we've got this link, haven't we? That's uh, that uh, Danny Willett yeah. began with the uh, Dubai Desert Classic win, and then going on to win the, the Masters the same year, and then uh, then uh, Sergio won and did exactly the same thing the week uh, the year after. So uh, he was another one of these dual. Dubai Desert Classic and uh, Augusta winners last year. How Tong Lee was well backed on the uh, on the same pretense and uh, and, and didn't uh, didn't oblige. But who's to say that there isn't a link there? Who's to say that Bryson, who I think was going to be popular anyway for this particular event, um, but then he's he's come over to Europe. He's uh, deciphered the Emirates course over in uh, in Dubai and. Uh, at the end of the day, it was a pretty straightforward win for him. Yes, it's against the European Tour field, but it's, you know, it was a good European Tour field. Um, how many wins is that he's got now in the last uh, 12 months? Five, I want to say. Four or five? Four yeah. or five? Yeah. Five, I think. He's been prodigious, mate. It's astonishing. I have I have a note. like I, I Just a little notepad document uh, just to throw a couple of bet, you know, thoughts down for next year's majors. You know, these thoughts come into your head, you're like, just put it down because otherwise mm. you forget it. And then the event, ha- you know, event happens and that guy wins. You're like, shit, I thought about him last year. So <laughs> trying to protect myself and myself. But I've had, um, back in September, I made this. I've Bryson and Fina down as thoughts for mm. the Masters. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to solidify or whatever. But yeah, I, I think uh, if I can, if you can catch a bit of uh, 20s on Bryson, it could be uh, could be very interesting. Week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what price was he last year? He must have been around about the eighty to one bracket. And he, as he wasn't playing badly last year, I don't know. He, he certainly wasn't racking up the wins as he has been in the meantime. But um, I'm sure there was a, mm. a few you know, decent pointers. And uh, you know, he's had a couple of sighters at Augusta now, and uh, I think it's the kind of track that he's going to want to. Uh, he's going to want to master, and he's you know for his own, uh, I guess for, for his own mind to to you know to, to understand and to to uh, to work out the riddle that is Augusta National. It's uh, the kind of thing that must appeal to him. I'm sure it will appeal to him. We shall see. Yeah, it's like you'd get like an an extra sense of satisfaction yeah, yeah, out of yeah. doing it, wouldn't it? It's just part of like the the great mystery mm. of golf to, for him. Yeah, it's he's, uh, yeah he's won some very big tiles, isn't yeah. he? Because if you think about last year, he kind of came out of nowhere at um, Scottsdale, top five. He then went really close in the tournament that uh, McElroy won at Bay Hill. I think he was second. And he, they were some serious names, including Woods, that were up for that victory that week. And you think, yeah, this this boy's actually got the nutrients. Yeah. Then he, he actually captured his first... Uh, it was his second PGA Tour title, wasn't it? He, cap- he captured his second title at the Memorial, which again is a huge tournament on the PGA Tour and a very classical tree-lined affair. He dom- uh, he he was in a playoff in the end, was it? Or he won. I think he was in a playoff with Benny Ann, wasn't he, at the end of yeah. it? And there was also, I think, Carl Stanley in that. But then he went on that tear, didn't he? Um, he won the uh, he won the Northern Trust, which is played at Ridgewood. There's, as I was saying, Beth Page is very relate uh, linkable, uh, but so is Ridgewood. I mean, ninth uh, Reed finished ninth at Ridgewood. Sergio Garcia's finished second at Ridgewood. Uh, Matt Kuchar, who is an Augusta specialist, even though he's not long enough to win it, he's won at Ridgewood as well. So that that co- correlates well. You've got a lot of links between TPC Boston and here because DeChambeau won there. 
So you can actually see that just where DeChambeau has done well already in his quite short PGA Tour career does relate very well to the kind of courses that we're looking for. Mm. I think the only downside with Bryson, and this might be the thing that you'd need to be thoughtful of, is he hasn't contended or top 10 in a major championship yet, has he? No, it's coming though. And it's that it's that mental barrier. You know, Patrick Reed, he finished second at the PGA Championship uh, in 2017, goes to the next major in 2018, the Masters, and wins it. So it's whether you can win a major without actually having contended in a major. That's the only potential question mark for me with DeShane. Yeah. It's, it's... But actually, if you, look, if you look at that anti-post market right now, for the kind of player he is... For the for the world ranking he is, he's actually tenth in the market. He's behind the likes of Ricky Fowler, and like we said, he's won how many times yeah. in the last? Oh, he's been yeah, he's been yeah. outstanding for the last twelve months or so, hasn't he? He's short. He's actually longer on price than John Rahm. Now, you, yeah, you, know, you can a, you can it, say Rahm was a contender last year at the PGA Championship, where DeChambeau. So maybe it's built into that price. Mm. Don't know. It's an interesting one. I'm seeing. I'm seeing twenty. I'm seeing twenty to one with one bookmaker right now in Deschamps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, well, there's got to be a lot of players around that kind of, you know, twenty to one bracket, particularly as we get into the week itself, because you know the bookies have got to clearly want to got to want to take some money on some of these players, and uh, you know when they're all sitting there at twelve or fourteen to one, it's it's a little off putting, I think, to a punter. It's a little bit of twenties might just start to whet the appetite of. Uh, of a few, and um, we had a few for the listeners. Go, go on, mate. For the, I was going to say for the listeners. Oh, go on. No, you you finish. Oh, no, this, uh, I'm, I'm jumping. That's right. Um, we had a, a few comments on uh, on this uh, vote or, or this poll as well. So I just read a few of them out, and one of them is about Bryson. So this was from Mick Russell, and he says, um, "I just want to see Bryson nail that final putt, a curling fifteen footer at pace that hits the pin." And drops to the dismay of the golfing elites, <laughs> which I thought was quite uh, quite funny. Um, there's some, some interesting comments on it. If, if you're on the Facebook group, then pop along and uh, have your say. Um, Fergal Kelly talks about Big Phil, and that's interesting. Seeing as he seeing as he won last week, um, Big Phil's interesting. He says his driving has been a real positive of late. He's won it three times already. Um, I've looked at Phil and. His, his driving hasn't been bad, but for me, it's the greens in regulation, which has been the revelation for Phil over the last uh, last few weeks. Mm. He's been hitting a lot of greens, and you touched on his putting a little bit earlier as well. Um, you know, well, that'll never go away. No, no, it? no. You know, even even at his age, um, as I said, won, won it three times already. Um, I'm sure I'd, there was a quote last year about not um, if Phil wins the Masters again, it was about when he wins his next green jacket. You know, it's um, this kind of positive mindset. And he's, he, I don't think he's anywhere near, um, you know, wanting to, to take his foot off the pedal when it comes to these majors. He's still uh, still competitive, isn't he? Clearly, based, based on last week's effort at uh, Pebble Beach. and. Okay. He's swinging the golf club faster than he ever has, almost. Yeah. Like with, Hasn't with he the found work five or six in, miles an hour to club head speed? It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that too. It's astonishing. Like, but you know, that's the uh, that's the beauty of the age we live in. Like with sports science yeah. and, uh, and and you know specific training uh, that he's put in play. Like he's 
it's uh he's it's very conceivable he has a, you know as long as he stays fit he's got another half a dozen mm. cracks at this easily. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, we've seen some uh, some players contend. You know, not not just the Masters. You know, going back to uh, to Tom Watson at the Open Championship, but these these older hands can uh, can can still contend at these major championships. And uh, yeah, I. I I don't think there's any reason to suggest that Phil can't go and win another green jacket in the form that he's been in the last uh, last 12 months or so, particularly from last week. It's a far cry from the Ryder Cup mm. form, isn't it? Yeah, he likes the tracks he likes, isn't it? It's some... Yeah, some turnaround. Um, I'll, I'll read you one final quote. As I say, if you want to come along and have a have a say, have a vote and uh, leave some comments, then then go for it. Uh, Gary Healy writes about Tony Finnau. Um, and he said, I think the course was built for Tony Finnau as it was for Bubba. Tied 10 last year on debut with a broken ankle. Now, who can, who can forget his, uh, his, his ankle? Oh. Yeah, it mm. makes my... Uh, makes my stomach turn thinking about it. His driving skills will match the likes of Cabrera... Uh, Baba, Usti, Scott and Rory who have done great around here and it doesn't take a great putter to win the Masters but typically he loves putting on bent question is will he manage yeah. the nerves come Sunday uh, and uh, again Finnau is for me he's going to be a popular player this year he's uh, you know clearly he did perform well last year and he could, he, guy could barely walk could he so uh, can he improve on a T10? If you're getting, uh, if you're getting forty to one, which is the current price, as the bookies extend their price, uh, their places as we get closer. If you're getting forty to one or thereabouts, and you know, uh, seven, eight, ten places each way, then uh, that's going to be a popular old bet, I think. It won't last long if it gets <laughs> eight places at forty to one. Yeah, there's going to be some people diving in for a, a bit of action, I think. What can we expect, Paul, from the the bookmakers in uh, April, in, when they actually open up their real market? Yeah, so they're all just and what what did what did we see last? They're all year? just anti post at the moment, aren't they? So typically, it's five each way with a quarter of the odds. There's a few that have gone six and a fifth. So uh, Betfair, Paddy, and Boyle Sports are six and a fifth at the moment. Last year, it was I think it was Thursday before, so a full week before, and Coral went ten places each way at a fifth of the odds which um, was groundbreaking for the Masters um, in terms of the general market. I think there'd been some 10 place each way um, new customer offers at various points in the past, but not on the general market to uh, to, to new and existing yeah. customers. Um, the market itself, you may recall, the prices were quite a lot shorter, as you'd expect. I mean, we're only talking about kind of mid-80s, maybe 90 players tops will take part, take part in the Masters. And realistically, what can you, you can whittle that down to 60 or so blindfolded, couldn't you? There's, you know, there's, there's players at the bottom end who aren't going to contend no matter how you... Uh... Yeah, I don't, fan- I don't fancy Larry Mize. No, no. Um, <laughs> you know, Marco Mira, for, for all his qualities, I'm not entirely convinced he's going to be, uh, it's going to be there or thereabouts. But, um, you know, some of... Fred, Fred Couples will probably be first round leader like he always is. <laughs> there, there'll be boom, there'll boom. be some uh, there'll be some people uh, having a punt on Boom Boom if he's uh, if he's back mm. if his back holds up enough for him to take part, of course. But uh, I, I do like the first round leader on Freddie, but it, it, at this stage it kind of feels like a nostalgia mm. bet that you're doing it just for an old friend. <laughs> yeah, just just have a, just have a pound each way for the uh, or euro each way for the uh, 
for for the fun so of it. Who who are underneath Coral in terms of value? So who actually could, who were giving a be, the be, a better value of of better odds and actually some really juicy extended? Yeah. Prices? So so if we go to the full week before, so of course the week the week prior to uh, to the Masters, you won't get you start to get a little bit of action as I say. Coral extended. I think it was on Thursday. It was Friday at the latest. And um, by the end of Monday, you'll tend to find the market is fully formed in terms of the each way places. Yeah. And last year, yeah. um, aside from the Coral 10 each way, Bet365, Betfair and Paddy Power all went eight each way, a fifth of the odds. Uh, Betfred, Boyle Sports and Hills all went seven each way at a fifth of the odds. Triple uh, Eight and Unibet were six each way and a quarter of the odds. Um, Bet Victor was six each way and a fifth of the odds. And the only bookmaker out of those, you know, the, the bigger mainstream bookies that stayed at fifth of the uh, fifth five each way at a quarter of the odds was Labrooks. Now, of course, with Labrooks, they deliberately play a different game to uh, to Coralie. They uh, they're clearly part of the same company now, so they'll play this. Um, sticking rigidly to the standard five each way quarter the odds um, position, but you get longer odds. And also, if you um, haven't used your odds boost for the day, then you can use that on uh, on, on your markets as well. So, um, depending whether you're going to go for a price or whether you want to go for each way places, there's a lot of option last year, and I suspect we're going to see something quite similar this year because. We're seeing, seeing Paddy Power go eight each way, a fifth of the odds on just regular events at the moment on the PGA Tour. Um, the likes of Coral, the likes of um, Boyle Sports are going seven each way and a fifth of the odds on the most PGA Tour events. Betfred have been extending a lot of their each way places this year as well. Um, so it's going to be a competitive marketplace for um, for each way uh, places this yeah. year and that will throw up a lot of disparity in terms of prices and I, m- I remember last year there was, there was a question we were fielded about Matt Kuchar who was 55 to 1 with um, 5 or 6 places yeah. or 35 to 1 with 10 places and of course you know the question is which of those two do you take um, do, you, do you plump for what is clearly a much shorter price Um but uh, you're getting 10 places each way, or do you, do you bite the bullet and go for the headline price, take your 55s, and then if he finishes you know, in tied sixth or seventh, then you're getting, uh, you're getting nothing back if you've backed him five each way. It's, it, it's a dilemma that's going um, to be prevalent again this year, but um, it'll be fascinating to see as the market starts to, to take hold how, it's, um, how it all kind of brings or pulls together. I think the only way to deal with that is to double your bankroll for the week and back both of those options. Yeah, you could split it between the two, couldn't you? I mean, you know, I mean, double your bankroll or half your unit stake and put half on the, uh, you know, half on the ten each way option, half on the uh, the five each way option. Um, there's ways to cut it's, it. it. It's a horror. Yeah, it's a horror of a dilemma, especially with such a disparity in prices. <clears throat> it really makes you. I mean, it's tough enough picking golfers that you want to back anyway. But then you have this extra decision to like on on how you want to back them with the options available, and uh, it uh, it's driven me to despair a few times. <laughs> you guys know that because I've texted in, gone, "What do I do yeah. here?" Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so so um, maybe backing on both, so one on well, one with a better one with the best odds, and one with extended places, just to ease the pain. Yeah. Perhaps, yeah, I've uh, that's an option, isn't maybe, it? Maybe. 
maybe it's a tactic yeah mm, uh, or maybe just put one. it all on Bryson on the exchange and just uh, sit back and actually enjoy the golf when he's missed the cut <laughs> so we're pretty <laughs> certain know. Paul that we're going to see a couple of firms going 10 each way I, next I'd uh, be surprised if we didn't April. I'd be surprised if we didn't yeah I would be and you'd assume because you've got two or more firms going 10 each way they've then got to actually offer some half competitive odds because they're competing against each other in that marketplace. Yeah, yeah they'll be competing um, in that same same arena. I I, I tended mm. to find last year that the, the best combination was probably just below uh, below those headline shouts. So, you know, the likes of Bet365, the likes of Pad, Paddy yeah. Power who were going eight each way and a fifth of the odds, but at kind of middling prices. Um, if you could get what, what was almost a you know almost a market leading price, but taking eight rather than ten price, ten places, that that was I think probably from the one. memory. Paul, I'm, I think from memory on my tips preview, all four of my selections were. Were we went we tipped them up with bet three six five for that yeah they, could, they they they, they, they may well have, and then you get in eight places they may well have been the best kind of combined proposition at the point mm. but uh, yeah there's got to be so much movement in terms of pricing particularly as we head from Monday through to to Tuesday Tuesday afternoon when when all of the internet pro, uh, previews come out and the, the newspapers start publishing so um, you know if there's a price and place combination that you like then uh, it's the time to take it I think. And Paul, have you noticed this over the years that you, you, there's a, a maybe a Wednesday slide and uh, bookmakers trying to grab the last of the punters' money and they'll loosen out a few of the prices? Or is that something that happens? Or you see? Yeah, we we, we used to see it um, religiously with um, with Labricks and William Hill. That's kind of died down a little bit with the the boosts that have been doing now. Um, Labricks do their, just their general boost, but last year William Hill did um, a daily super boost for for the Masters. So um, you were getting quite a, an enhanced price. Um, you know, again, it's it's relatively limited. You're limited in terms of your overall stake that you can place on these boosts each day. Um, but so that kind of negated the need for them to to go down this um, lengthening of the top ten, top twenty in the market, which used to be the ploy. We used, used to get the uh, the racing posters to come out on the Wednesday, and there'd be some prices and uh, some shouts in that that no one else had seen up until that Wednesday morning. And, uh, you know, it'd go live at eight o'clock in the morning and last for however long until they until they'd done their um, done their quota at that particular price, but. Um, yeah, I think the I think the boosts have kind of moved that on a little bit, but uh, it remains to be seen. We'll see what happens with 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 Hills this year. I'm sure sure Labricks, unless they pull their boost proposition, I'm sure there'll still be that uh, that option available to punters out there. Do you think we've long to go before somebody goes for eleven places <laughs> or twelve places? It'd have I mean, to be, it'd probably... have to be twelve, wouldn't it? Surely. Yeah, probably not in the Masters now because the field is so short, but. You know, for for one of the full field majors, yeah. maybe the Open Championship. The, could the Open be the one. would be yeah, because that was the one that It'd be the one. that was the one that historically had the the longer the the most amount of places out of all the majors. Yeah. So you know, just wondering what somebody's going to do it at yeah. some stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I think you're right. It won't be the won't be the Masters because um, well, it's very unlikely to be the Masters because of the, the the depth of the field. But uh, it would be the Open Championship. Yeah. You know, 156 players and uh, you know, 12 places and 156 players is is more likely. But we, sh- we shall see. It's what it should be. It's what it should be for every <laughs> golf event. You know, 
But when you compare when you when you compare golf to horse racing and the percentage of the field that is deemed in each way mm. in a horse race versus what it is in a golf event, it's so so different. It's uh, it's it's kind of frustrating. Uh, I try not to think about it. You know, you're only looking at six places out of 156 yeah. guys. It's uh, it's, it's, not, it's not easy. That, that's what we. Can you guys remind me why we uh, why we gamble on golf? We're again? all chasing that jackpot, uh, Barry. Yeah. Each and every week. It's the, it's the, it's the transatlantic double. Mm. Oh, that's the dream, isn't it? Although that that's a relative, because you get barely get any uh, golf in Europe these days. So it's <laughs> kind of pan world. It's kind of pan world double, isn't it? I mean, they're in Australia, the Europeans. Are yeah. Europe. Right. Looking at look. I mean, this is where we were heading with this. We kind of got to the end of our journey on this podcast. Looking at the current anti-post markets. Um, it's difficult to find any value at the top end, as we've as we've discussed in quite a lot of detail. But these these potential players, I mean, I'm I'm thinking from Bryce and DeChambeau upwards in terms of price. Are there any players in there that you'd be half tempted to back right now on the basis that you think their price will be shorter come the second week of April? I think what you're second guessing there is. Does one of these elite players win between now and then? Because if a if a Jordan Absolutely. if a Jordan Spieth or a, a Dustin Johnson or a Rory McIlroy wins this week in Riviera, they won't be twelve to one. They'll be chopped down to, to no. ten to one. Um, but do you see a Tony Fee now being forty to one no when chance. we get when we get to April? Do you do you see uh, Adam Scott at forty to one? Do you see a Mark Leishman at fifty to one? You know that these are the kind of players. I, I mean, Tommy Fleet was at forty to one mm. with a couple. So of is Xander. So is Xander Schauffele. Well, yeah. Paul and I were talking about this off mic this morning. Xander Schauffele's at forty it's, to one. It's ridiculous. Everybody forgets about him. It's I don't know why. It's um, but is that forty that, to one, one going to be closer to fifty to one in April? Or do we think that's going to actually shorten? Well, it depends what he does, doesn't it? It depends. And this is this is the chance you take by backing players um, anti post. You know, is is he going to play well enough to uh, to to shorten his price between now and then? What we've learned with Xander, and you, you're quite right to bring his name up, Barry, is that he. He wants to peak, and he does peak for these bigger events. And the, the ones that he plays mm. in between times are almost incidental. The results he achieves are—you know—you you might as well not look at them. It's—he's he's just peaking for these big events. And there's a couple of firms out there at Fortis. If he carries on his traditional trend of not doing a great deal before these big events, he—he he could be fifties. He could be. You know, I want to say sixty six, but probably not. But I think you might might you <laughs> you, you might see fifty to one, and then you know he could go and win the tournament, and everyone will be once again slapping their forehead and saying, you know, I bloody knew that he'd go well because he's just he's one of these big event players. He's one of these players who really does lift his game for that kind of uh, that kind of event. Yeah, and he's right in that. He could have one sneaky. T- yeah. You know, he could have one sneaky top 10 in the previous four or five events and the rest are all like 28th, 35th, 47th mm. or something like that. You know, nothing remarkable. And where was he in terms of price? We were talking, we were, we, we were talking 28 to 1 and mm. up, weren't we, for the price that we're yeah. looking at. So we've got Mickelson at 33s. We've got Bubba Watson at 33s. I mean, that's a, that's a tempting price. 
Hideki Matsuama at 40s. He's playing well at the moment. Finau at 40s. Paul Casey at 40s. Well, let's not get carried away. But Adam you were Scott on Paul Casey last 40s. year, Steve, weren't you? Oh, potentially. I'll never be on him again. I mean, that was a real madness <laughs> tip, that was. Adam Scott at 40s. Chauflay, Fleetwood, Reed. Never back a defending champion here, so that reads off the list. Kuchar at 50s. You've got Francesco Molinari. He's not long enough. Leishman, he, he's always, for me, the kind of guy that will sneak up and win a major. He's 50 to 1. Uh, they're interesting players. Even for me, Jason Day, he's in the top 10 of that par 4 birdie or better statistic already. Mm. And you're getting 25 to 1 about him. And in most fields that he's chalked up in at the moment, he's, he's in the elite band at a sort of 12, 14 to 1. So actually, that's a mark up for Jason mm. Day compared to where he is week in, week out. And I said to you, Paul, you notice him with Day. He's doing a lot of work on actually trying to now hit some fairways and hit some greens. Yeah. He's changed clubs. And, and you're starting to see his game get back to where it used to be way back in 2014, 2015, when he was basically in the hunt for this year in, year out. Yeah, yeah. His game's coming back, I think, Jason Day. Loves the bent grass. Yeah, yeah. Nothing there that's really, nothing there that's really jumping out to you. The, the, the temptation for myself is to back uh, Phil Mickelson at thirty threes. I must say, I haven't done it yet. Um, I, you know, that, that win at Pebble suggests to me that his game's still in, a, in the kind of shape that, on the right kind of track, on something that he feels comfortable and confident on he can still contend and compete. He doesn't think he's past it by any stretch of the imagination. Um, he still thinks that he's capable of competing um, with those younger lads right at the very top of world golf. And uh, Augusta National, can he still perform? I, I suspect he can. Um, that's the closest I've come so far to pulling the trigger in the anti-post market. Because as you said, uh, the, the, you know, the value really isn't there right now, I don't think. Um, no, you know, as you get closer and the the prices, um, the full market starts to form and the prices start to push out a little bit more and the each way places start to to ease out towards the sevens, eights, and tens, then that might be the time to get involved. But um, the only one really who's, who's interested me is Phil. You've really depressed me. I can't believe I tipped up Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my lord! What was I? Smoke? I think I remember I us something. Oh. Yeah, I think I remember us laughing, heart, laughing uh, heartily oh, at you on that one. That's bad. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the worst. God Almighty! If I say that again this year, shoot. <laughs> yeah, it's a one-week ban from the podcast. <laughs> if you ever tip Casey up again, any of us. <laughs> what about the likes of a Gary Woodland or a Patrick Cantlay up at, at eighty to one? I'm seeing for those two. What? Woodland interests me. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm I'm just a big fan in general, so that's kind of biased me. I don't know. The only thing, I, I, I've, go on, I'll go back to Phil Mickelson. On. Apart from this week at Riviera, Phil tends to go off the radar in Florida. He, he doesn't get on with the golf courses. My only thing with Phil is: is there anywhere that where actually he's going to pop up and really destroy his price between here and between here and Augusta? Because we know he's a West Coast boy. Mm. Was defending him, so defending sure in Mexico, isn't he? Oh, Mexico, yeah, because that's Poana again, mm. isn't it? So yeah, 
So that 33s could get. I mean, if he if he goes well again on a soft golf course at Riviera this week, all of a sudden those that that 33s is long gone, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Adam Scott's another one. It's not a great. It's it's not a great anti-post market. Just kind of scrolling through odds checker here. There's nothing. There's nothing really stand outy or says screams mm. back me now. Yeah. Scotty, Scott, yes. I think Scott. I Scott, think Scott could go well this week in uh, at Riviera, and again, if he does that, former champion, you know that that forty to one will be um, starting to, to drop. I think we shall see. Yeah, it's interesting. Right, I've enjoyed your company, chaps. So it's been a it's been a, a great experience. I think we'll do another one of these closer in, like we did last year as well. Maybe a a fortnight or a week before the Masters itself. Yeah, indeed. When we really we can really get into the nitty gritty of you know what what we're likely to see from a bookmaker perspective, and also what we're going to see uh, from player form and from key statistics that are going to be around at that point. Yeah, you know? before I've enjoyed I've enjoyed it though, before... and I've been I enjoyed catching up with you, Barry. Yeah, yeah, uh, good to be back. And uh, if any listeners are out here in Dubai and fancy a game of golf, just a sh- shameless uh, self-plugging to get myself a game. Um, I'm, I'm well up for it. Uh, just hit me up on Twitter, a good talk, a good talk golf. I'm anally retentive enough to know that we get 3% of our listeners in Dubai. Very good. So you've, you've, got, you've got a fair chance there, it. Barry. <laughs> Before we uh, wrap it up, can I just mention quickly that we've launched our majors competition on Facebook, which um, Bet365 yeah. have very kindly offered to sponsor £250 um, or currency equivalent in prizes. So if you think you can name the four winners or get very close to naming the four winners of the four majors... Um, then either pop along to the Facebook group or we'll put the entry information in the uh, description field of this podcast um, and you can enter via Facebook or Twitter or via email. So there should be a means for you to be able to enter one way or the other and uh, have a go at predicting who you think are going to win each of the four majors and uh, someone will win um, the top prize which is £150 second prize £75 third prize £25 um, for the best answers when we get to the end of the Open Championship thank you I don't know about you thank you to I don't know about you guys but <laughs> sorry Steve yeah. on, no, I was just saying I don't know about you guys I actually put a speaking of betting uh, I put a bet on my four that I put into the group last year because can you imagine winning that calling all four <laughs> of the winners and not having a punt yeah, on it so some, somebody like 365 who are generally amazing for their prices mm. will probably have the best price in the market for all yeah, four yeah. of those mm. it's a nice little correlation there give them a little plug and, and your business as well and hopefully uh Bust them with a, that'd be that'd be the way to bust them. Wouldn't it? So just just recap, Paul. How do people enter that? And it, it's a one and done, isn't it? So yeah. you have to four, have four different players for the four majors. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you give us give us the name of who you think is going to win each of the four majors. It needs to be four different players. So as Steve said, it's one and done. Scoring is based on the dollar earnings of that particular player at each of the four majors. So. 
Um, whoever you select for the Masters and whatever they earn in terms of dollar earnings is is your score and you'll get scored on each of the four entries that you make for the four different majors and then um, we tot up all of the numbers and whoever um, has the team with the play- the four players with the highest yielding dollar return from their uh, four majors will be the winner of our majors competition. I mean, it's very simple. Basically, you just name four players and uh, hope that they do particularly well over the majors. But uh, Yeah, there's, there's a thread live on the Facebook group right now, but you can enter via Twitter, you can enter via email. So uh, we'll put full instructions um, to the competition in the description field of this. and uh, In the description box, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go for Cameron Champ for the Masters. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be popular. I'm, I, I, I'm probably scuppered from the outset there, right? Eh? <laughs> that was a little bit well, tongue in cheek. I don't know if you got it. I, I don't think any of us are, should be allowed to win it. No, we, I mean, we won't. We won't be winning. We can't enter clearly. But yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, high, highly unlikely we'd win it anyway. I think, given the uh, the skill and the highly expertise unlikely. from some of our listeners. Mm, absolutely. Right, chaps, it's been a blast. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, thank you to you guys. Enjoy your uh, respective evening. Thank you. Cheers, guys. We will be back again next week for the uh, with another podcast. I think we're covering next week, Paul. Help me out. Oh, the WGC Mexico Championship yep. and also the Puerto, Puerto Rico Open, which I'm really looking forward to. Mm. That's brilliant. Right, thank you, and uh, we will see you all again very, very soon. Thanks for listening to the Golf Bank System podcast. Goodbye.